This is Richard Cloutier Reports on 680 CJOB. One of the big stories today is back to school, uh, be it uh, your child going to school for the first time, returning to school. Uh, maybe they're going into high school, graduated, going to university or college. Thousands are going back this week. Uh, when you take in uh, all the public, private schools, colleges, universities, you're looking at well over 200,000 people in this province going back to uh, continue their education. That is, Donald Trump would say, is huge. We're celebrating back to school week. We're telling some stories. Norm Gould is here. He's president of the Manitoba Teachers Society. Norm, we talk with uh, Kelly Moore and Dave Turner about uh, their, Turnbull rather, about their uh, experiences uh, in school, the teachers that played a, an integral role in their life. How about you? Was there a teacher that you can think about that you say, you know what, that person had a real influence on me? Well, you know what, uh, when I look back, there was there were some in elementary and junior high and high school. And I think of Dick Topping, who's a giant of a man, and he looked like a Viking. He was fantastic, yeah. and but he was super caring and compassionate and really connected with me. Klaus Albrecht, I think of Murray Grass was my drafting teacher when I was at John Taylor Collegiate, and Steve Kara was a phys ed uh, teacher there at uh, John Taylor, and uh, they encouraged me to pursue my passions. So much so that you wanted to become a teacher? No, actually, I wasn't a very good student. I was more into the social part of it, and at the time I was into curling, and uh, I was just trying to discover myself. And so the best thing about uh, high school, I found, was learning about myself and experiencing different things and setting me up so that I did pursue it in university and then I got the bug there to uh, become a teacher. What grades were you teaching? I taught uh, pretty much every grade uh, uh, from elementary all the way to high school. I started off with a 3-4 split class. I love that. You know, they talk about timetables and uh, cursive writing and the kids and reading and recess and and pushing the kids on the swings and bus duty was fantastic. Middle school, I really loved, you know, six, seven, eight, teaching science and watching uh, the interrelationship between the boys and the girls and uh, the different growth patterns, uh, so to speak. <laughs> uh, in terms of height, uh, some of the young ladies towering over the, the gentlemen at the time. And then high school, they're really trying to find themselves and moving on into adulthood. Where did you teach? I taught English. I taught uh, geography, social studies, and where? history. I taught at uh, Silver Heights, uh, well, Sturgeon oh, just, Heights. Just yeah. down the street. Just down, down the, street. the street, as you talk about Mr. Yeah. McWilliam and Mr. Tacky. I was there when the amalgamation took place, and what a fantastic uh, school to be teaching at. Um, for teachers, this is, yes, back to school, back to work. Uh, it can be intimidating in the classroom as well at times because of the number of students that you have with special needs, uh, ones that have a challenge with English. How as a teacher do you, you know, overcome that stage fright? Well, I, I because think... Because you get it. Yeah, sure, you get, you get the stage fright. But what I do, I count on people, is that the teachers in the province of Manitoba are extraordinary people. They're well-trained through university, and uh, they're recharged back this time of the year. They're prepared. They look at the cumulative file of their students. They get to know the students, get to know the parents, and the stage fright hits. But teachers, it's almost theater. You know, you get to the front of that class, and once the words are out of your mouth, you're, you're, you're on stage, and you got to do it. One of the challenges, though, that... Uh, you have as an association, and I think generally in education, is to keep teachers there because uh, those first few years can be a real challenge. And when you look at the numbers, 
not a lot of them make it through those first few years. They discover, wow, this isn't what I signed up for, and you're losing those younger teachers. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a, a great deal of demands when uh, new teachers start. Certainly, they're not uh, the expectations sometimes when they have special skills and extracurricular activities like volleyball or basketball. Those time commitments, trying to balance family, those that uh, start the career and they don't recognize, as you say, uh, the amount of time that's put in. Even well, sometimes it can be horrible in the classroom. And it depends on your class. It's 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 like uh, dice. You know, you have uh, sometimes you have a really really tough class, and it could be uh, depending on your, your if you're in elementary, it could be the tough class all day, and if it's a high school, it could be just a, a snapshot of 68 minutes. But nevertheless, sometimes it is. Uh, it's, it, they leave the classroom, you close the door, take a sip of coffee, turn the lights out, re lean back in your chair and take a deep breath. And you do that from now until the end of January. What are you doing to help bridge that gap? What are the school divisions doing to make sure that those younger teachers survive? Well, it's the supports. Mentoring is, is certainly a key. Uh, supervision and evaluation in terms of helping teachers uh, to perform and to be successful. And, and with us, the Manitoba Teachers Society, it's a work-life balance. And balance is the key and how to manage your time, manage that stress so that you can perform, be successful, and the kids can be successful in the class without you burning out. Do you have a sense of how many teachers are on stress leave right now? Oh, I, I don't know. Stress is, uh, you know, kind of manifests itself in, in, in different ways, certainly, as you have the physical... Uh, uh, the physical impairments as a result of It's a problem, of though, isn't it? it? It certainly is a problem, that, uh, and, and I think um, uh, with, within any, any uh, career that's high stress like this is that you have those sorts of issues, and so I can't uh, put a number on it. I know that uh, within our disability plan is that we have a fantastic uh, early intervention program where teachers, when they're starting to feel the, this stress, with the school divisions, we're partnering with them where they notify us, and we put those uh, uh, systems in place to support teachers. So the, the numbers, I can't say. We have... Uh, almost 15,000 public teachers in the province of Manitoba. So as a percentage, I don't know. We sometimes will say, ah, you know, teachers get their summers off, et cetera, sure. and, and, and we'll, we'll make light of that. For sure. But there are movements in other countries where a teacher will get a sabbatical, and it was tried in St. River School Division that mm -hmm. after a certain number of years, maybe work outside the classroom is good for you, good for a teacher to rejuvenate. You see it at the colleges and the universities, why not in some schools? Well, like you say, St. River, I believe they still have it in their collective agreement or within their policies, sabbatical after a certain number of years. And uh, I think it's a great idea. And I, and I think that uh, school divisions uh, should in encourage teachers to do so. Not as sabbatical as to take a year off uh, necessar necessarily to, to do nothing, perhaps, but uh, so our colleagues out there to uh, go to university and to expand their horizons that way. But I think it's great to support people in, in that role. We're at the Tim Hortons. We're celebrating back to school on 680 CJOB. That's Norm Gould. He's president of the Manitoba Teachers Society. And, uh, you know, we're talking about teachers that help shape our lives. And I think of, um, for me, at Vincent Massey High School, Mr. Mann, who was our English teacher, uh, Mr. Isaac as well, uh, Mr. Hodgson, uh, who was uh, in phys ed. So many great teachers. Miss Oda. She was a five-foot-nothing, uh, incredible math teacher that uh, ended up being a vice principal and just knocked it out of the park. So many great teachers along the line that I certainly had. And you can share your stories on our CJOB Facebook page. You can write me uh, directly, richard at cjob.com or 204-780-6868. I think, though, of my grade six teacher who has unfortunately passed away. 
uh, Darlene Weber, uh, as she was known at the time. And uh, it was one of those teachers where I was a terrible reader. I, I love to read, but reading out loud was a challenge. Speaking publicly was a challenge. And she encouraged me to enter a public speaking contest where I did a public speech about, of all things, Hawaii, because my brother had been in Hawaii, and I talked about puka shells. And she worked with me in developing my reading skills and that confidence. And to this very day, and I must admit, I had a big crush on Darlene Weber at St. Norbert's School in grade six, but she is one of the people that in my life I point to and say, Wow, you had an impression, you made an impression on so many levels, but you helped build that confidence of a young person that wasn't that confident. And I look back and I owe my success to my parents and to my teachers and Darlene Weber. May she rest in peace significantly. And we're having those conversations as we reflect on, on going back to school and those teachers that make a, an impression on our lives. And yes, we can talk about it time to time, the teachers that, you know, just mailed it in and and weren't there and I'd rather emphasize the positive rather than the negative but we do know the challenges of the classroom in 2016 that too often we rely too much on our teachers our vice principals and our principals to to raise our kids and I think that's one of the issues that Norm Gould that that you folks face on a day-to-day basis is that uh, you're there to teach our children but not necessarily raise our kids and there is a fine line there isn't there well certainly there's a huge expectation on the school system uh, that has uh, developed further and further and further and complicated things with technology certainly and the communication between parents and teachers but the expectation uh, you know you look at it from a, a child who's five years old starting kindergarten all the way to the age of 18 and for 10 months of the year uh, their main caregiver during the day is uh, their, their classroom teacher, those teachers at school. And so it isn't just math and science and, and reading and writing. It's those connections and, and building relationships and trust and the golden rule. And, and you look at uh, our, our so, uh, society nowadays and you have, uh, fi- um, you have health care uh, needs that are imposed upon uh, teachers and in schools and you have justice and the expectations and the duties of a teacher back in 1974 compared to that of 2016 are quite different. Well, I think of the number of children that are on some form of medication mm-hmm. that that has to be dispensed through and supervised at the school. We all get that uh, and I haven't met too many teachers that say I don't make enough annually. Mm. I have met a lot of teachers that say I wish I had more resources to help deal with those children that I wish I could spend more time with. Well, certainly. How do you deal with that? Well, that is a real tough, tough, tough uh, part of the game because you have a lot of teachers that spend their own money on resources for those sorts of kids. Uh, school divisions through their ratepayers and through the provincial government have those uh, di- different initiatives. And the expectations of parents, you know, you have uh, so many high expectations of, of, for, for their own kids and they want the best for their kids. And with the internet and, and social media, they can communicate and find out what's happening in other jurisdictions and expect the same for their, for their child. So it's uh, putting a lot of pressure on the system financially and otherwise. New provincial government, Mm -hmm. they're committed uh, to continue on some of the policies of the previous government trying to renew education. 
certainly proceeding with uh, the early years, uh, maintaining uh, fewer children in the classroom, 20 or fewer, from K to 3. Right. I wonder from your perspective, though, uh, given that we're, I think, the only province left uh, with individual bargaining, and I don't think there's any mm-hmm. uh, agreements coming up anytime soon. Most of those are done. But are, are we, in your view, headed to a regime where there's going to be a single desk uh, type of uh, labor system in this province other than what we have now are you know individual locals are we headed to that single desk negotiation well i don't view? see that on the horizon um i could see for economies of scale at some point but i don't see an elimination of 40 school boards and having one master or one metro one because unlike the uh, other jurisdictions because i have the good fortune i'm one of the canadian teachers federation vice presidents as well is that there's an acrimonious relationship between labor and between uh, the government if there's a single uh, funder that way and what we have here in Manitoba is a great system because you have that autonomous piece. If the arguably 60% is paid for by the provincial government, 40% through local taxation, those school boards look at the needs, whether it's running fiber optics or unique programming, and, and access those funds through their ratepayers. And so there's a good balance between community interests and that of the provincial government. Yet you speak with, and we had an interview earlier today with Mark uh, Wasilyu, chair of the Winnipeg School Division, mm-hmm. who said... Listen, uh, we have an archaic form of funding education in this province. At some point, something has to give. And if you're looking for more resources in the classroom, there needs to be a different formula of funding the classroom. I totally agree with with, with him. Is that uh, the Funding for Schools program has been around for a number of years. Uh, I'm sure you... uh, talked about the tax incentive grant that was in there a few years ago and some things that were working across purposes and uh, certainly a new model uh, that distributes the funds in, in a way recognizing the needs of school divisions and the students and the demographics etc is, is very important. So if everybody agrees there needs to be a new system why isn't there a new system? Well there whenever you uh, want to impose a new system there are winners and losers so how do you mitigate that and I think that any government is going to have to sit down with representatives from the school boards, uh, the sc- uh, school superintendents, uh, parent councils, and the Manitoba Teachers Society. You folks and are willing to sit down absolutely. and willing to d- discuss this? I met, I met with the Minister of Education yesterday. We were out in Brandon. He was there uh, for the opening of the school day, and we talked about our commitment to working with this government and uh, being at the table, and that it's very, very important for the Manitoba Teachers Society as those people in the front lines to be at those discussions because we have something to contribute. What else is, what else is on the horizon? between uh, teachers and government? Well, we have a a special needs funding we just talked about, and uh, what has happened for many, many years was a a deficit uh, funding model, if you will, is that uh, schools had to come up with, uh, uh, create uh, a funding proposal to the provincial government to justify funds being distributed. It accompanied an individual education plan, and you had to paint the child in the most negative light, if you will, and have parents sign off on it so that uh, funding could be distributed. And there's a pilot project that's underway right now in Louis Riel, which abandons that deficit model and focuses on the strengths of, of the students and communication and collaboration between the school, the school division, uh, and the local teachers association. So it'll be a better model, we hope, and one that uh, doesn't uh, uh, threaten parents. Are children with special needs, though, getting the treatment and uh, the education that they need and deserve though in that model yes they should with that with that model because again with the individualized education plan 
Uh, it's it's individual. It's tailor made, and uh, it isn't necessarily an educational assistant in the class. It could be uh, uh, occupational therapy. Could be anything more social work, and, and using those resources to meet the needs of the child. Norm Gould, pleasure to see you again. Thank you so very much for being open and accessible, and have a great. 2016, 2017. You too, school Richard. Year? Thanks so much for having us, and really appreciate any time. Nice shoes, back. by the way. Thank you. You too. Norm Gould, president of the Manitoba Teacher Society on 680 CJOB. Richard Cloutier reports on 680 CJOB. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.